Hi, I'm Pete McCall, and welcome to episode 85 of All About Fitness. Before I get into today's episode, I want to take a moment to say thank you. To all those who've left a review, who send me a note, give me some feedback about the show, thank you. I really appreciate it. If you haven't taken the time yet, please do me a favor and give the show a review because you know how it works. The more reviews that a podcast has, the higher up it comes up in the search rankings. And I'm really reaching out to a lot of people. I'm trying to give you good quality fitness information. My goal is to give, give you information that can help you learn how to enjoy fitness and use it to enhance your quality of life. If you have any ideas for who I should have as a guest on the show, please feel free to write me, Pete at PeteMcCallFitness.com. That's Pete at PeteMcCallFitness.com. And if you know somebody who should be a guest, let me know and I'll reach out to them and see if I can book them. I got some really cool guests coming up, not only people in the fitness industry, but authors and researchers. And, you know, I'm trying to get outside of my initial sphere of influence to bring good quality guests in to help you learn more about how to use exercise. But today's guest, well, I have to to admit, I go back in the well. I've actually known today's guest for a little bit more than 10 years, and we didn't work closely together. I I was a national director of fitness education, and he was a trainer for, for the same health club company. Our paths crossed just briefly. He worked as a trainer for maybe a period of months. I was only in that company a couple of years, but he went on to someplace called Cressy Sports Performance. Not putting that down. It's actually a pretty big deal. And I went on and started doing other things. But I became a fan of his because I had met him and known him personally. When he started writing for Men's Health, when his blog, when he became recognized as one of the top fitness bloggers, I really started following his work because, number one, it's good. It's insightful. It really it puts the information of exercise science out there in a way that's very consumable. And number two, I think he's a funny, hella funny writer and a hella great guy. So I'm looking forward to speaking today with Tony Gentlecore. You're going to get a lot out of our conversation. We recorded the conversation only a few days after he deadlifted 600 pounds. So obviously we talk about that a little bit. We talk about the fact that he uses a coach. And we also, for those of you that are 80s movies fans, we go into a nice segue about some 80s movies that got us inspired to do fitness. So on this episode of All About Fitness, after a brief word from the sponsors, Tony Gentlecore, educator, writer, blogger, and hell of a nice guy. What is part bench, part balance trainer, part stability ball, part jump box, and all results? The TerraCore by Vicor Fitness, specially designed to help enhance balance, strength, agility, and metabolic conditioning. The TerraCore is quickly becoming the go-to piece of workout equipment used by fitness professionals around the world. Whether you're training to earn that eight-figure contract or just trying to get in better shape, the TerraCore will help you achieve results you never thought possible. TerraCore by Vicor Fitness, the shape of things to come. Go to www.vicorefitness.com and use code AAF, that's all about fitness, AAF, to save 20% on the purchase of a TerraCore. I'm Pete McCall with All About Fitness, and today I'm on the line with Tony Gentlecore. Tony, can you give a little bit of a background about what it is that you do and, and kind of your role in the fitness industry? Well, I will, but first, Pete, I have to say that uh, this is coming full circle here, considering technically you used to be my boss uh, years ago when I, when, I, when I first started in Boston. So uh, thank you for having me on. Uh, that, well, <laughs> it's funny because I, was, you know, I wasn't sure to, to, to bring that up or not. We'll, we'll go into that in oh, a little bit. Oh, we're bringing it up. Yeah, we're bringing yeah. it up. I, I wouldn't um, say I was your boss, but yeah, we worked for, we, we both toiled for the same. And since it's no longer in existence, we both toiled yeah. for the same corporate conglomerate. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, but um, yeah, what, 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 what is it that you're, you're, you're known for? I mean, it's been fun uh, watching you evolve uh, and, and it's, yeah, well, it's I think I'm of, known for putting star Wars references in, in my blog posts when I write about <laughs> blending humoral anterior glide or something like that. Yeah. But, uh, um, uh, you know, I started, uh, helped co-found Cressy Sports Performance back in 2007. So I think that's probably what I'm most known for. Um, but then I also, you know, host a pretty popular fitness blog, which is TonyJonacore.com and write on that. And, you know, I'm fortunate enough to write for a lot of other reputable sites like T Nation and Men's Health. So um, that's always cool. And I just make people 
pretty badass and I get them strong. So that, that's a cool, that's a cool way of looking at it. Now, what was your, did you, did you have a background? Did you go to school for, for English or writing or did you go to school for no, exercise no. science? Um, neither. <laughs> uh, my degree was actually in health education. Okay. So I was in the, I was in the field. Yeah. Um, and then I had a concentration in health wellness promotion. So I did student teaching. Uh, and then after I was done with that, I had to do an internship at a, a gym. Okay. And, um, so that, and then that, that kind of turned into a job, my first job out of college, but writing, no, I, I, uh, I guess you could say I'm self-taught yeah. <laughs> more, more or less, but I think if I were to ever, uh, go face to face with my 12th grade teacher, she'd be <laughs> like, what you get paid to write? What? Like, <laughs> so I think she'd be flabbergasted on, uh, like that, that what transpired into my career. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Yeah. It's, you look at that and like, wait a minute, I'm a writer. I mean, especially yeah. you, you've written for some pretty major, and, major, you know, major like, I, I don't even really consider myself a writer. I, I, I can write coherent sentences, but you know, I, I my title is strength coach, but, yeah. uh, who happens to write, um, well, you know, I, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't consider myself a writer, but uh, but I don't. But it's a it's a high compliment. I take it as a compliment. Well, I've I've been a fan of your blog. One of the things I like is is your your way of winding in all kinds of movie analogies. And and you and I are we're, we're a couple years apart. But mm-hmm. one of the things that we'll talk fitness. So people listening, so listeners, I, I'm talking with Tony Gentlecore. We are going to get the strength training. We are going to get how how to increase your awesomeness. But first, we got to do some '80s movies talk. <laughs> yeah, because because I don't know if you remember this. A couple of years ago, I was in LA and staying right down the street from Nakatomi Plaza, and I, I remember. Oh. I don't know if you remember that, that I tweeted that picture at you. you yes, know, I, that, do, I took yes. the picture of Nakatomi Plaza. So, what is it about '80s movies that made them that makes them so awesome? Uh, you know, I, th- well, I think, you know, we grew up, I mean, my childhood was eighties and then obviously my teenage year was nineties. So I just think any, any person that grow whatever decade they grow up in, just the nostalgia of it, they, they automatically think that their, their era is the best era of movies and music, which ours is, let's be honest. Yeah, no, um, it is. I mean, but, but, uh, did that- but yeah, I think I, I look back at that era of movies and, you know, obviously we have Schwarzenegger and Stallone coming up and then, you know, then there's just class of like Goonies and E.T. and, uh, Indiana Jones and, you know, Star Wars, of course. And, um, you know, there's just, yeah, it's just, I don't know. It's, I, I just feel like that era, you know, we're, we're in an age now where there's hardly anything new. Yeah. Coming up in Hollywood, like everything's being regurgitated, like there's remakes of everything. And like, you know, now that the trend of, of late is like bringing back 80s and 90s TV shows oh, and making I, them into movies. So. I, I've, been do, I've been doing a lot of traveling lately. I have to tell you, I, I tried to watch Baywatch and, and no offense to The Rock. You know, I, I don't think Dwayne's yeah. going to be listening to this, but I had to turn it off. I mean, you know, Baywatch and Chips and turning off Chips made me sad because I pretty much grew up on the Chips TV show, you know? Yeah, and I, I remember watching A-Team yeah. as a kid and uh, I'm waiting for an Airwolf movie. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, That would be pretty cool. Yeah. I don't know if they're going to, that would be pretty cool. I would watch that because Airwolf was the bomb. Well, look, um, at, I don't. I don't think there's been a Knight Rider movie. I know they tried to do a show, but oh, that didn't yeah, really try to remake well. it. Yeah, I don't know. You yeah. can't. You, you can only do one Hasselhoff reboot, and, and I think <laughs> yeah. Bill Watch might have it. Yeah. But but let me ask you kind of a serious question: Is that are those movies? I mean, you mentioned Schwarzenegger, you mentioned Stallone. Are those movies kind of what got you interested in fitness and strength training? It's weird. I, I have. I I want to say yes. I really am. I I don't know because it's weird. I always tell people I, I'm the only one in my immediate family that's remotely health conscious. Huh. Um, like that. But that was into like athletics and fitness. Like I, no one else in my family is into that. <laughs> um, so I have to assume that yes, like the, a lot of those, like watching Predator over and over again and Commando and Rambo, uh, all those movies kind of and Rocky. Um, got me into like, Hey, I kind of want to look like that. And how am I going to do that? I'm going to lift weights. Um, so I think, uh, subconsciously it definitely played a role for sure. Well, think about it because when you see those movies, it was always the huge guy with the big muscles that kicked butt, you know, he kicked serious ass and he got the girl in the end. So I think subconsciously, you know, I grew, I was a teenager. I graduated high school in 1990. So those movies were like my formative years of like the guy with the big biceps drives a cool car and gets the girl. And, and yeah. I fully admit that that's what, you know, I never knew I could make a career in fitness. And, you know, it just kind of has happened that way. 
Yeah, I can't. I can't disagree there. I think uh, we're. I think we're onto something. And what would? What do you think in terms of in terms of fitness in movies? Then we'll move on from that. What do you think? What What movie do you think best represents like a good training technique? You know, I mean, you have the montage oh, from like you think about the Rocky montage when he's yeah. in the bar. And was that Rocky Four? Because I want to say I, I want to say that Greg Glassman got his idea for CrossFit from watching watching that training montage in Rocky Four. You know, by, by watching that. Why, why, why couldn't that have been of us? Like we, why didn't we think of that? (laughs) Yeah, no, totally. But do you think there's a good movie out there that kind of is a good representation of like what it takes to be strong or strength training? That's, that's, I'm such a snob because of course, like nowadays, whenever I see a training montage, I'm like, cause I think the latest one was, um, uh, Creed. Yeah. Uh, and there was actually some cool stuff in there, but then of course he had the, the Bane mask on doing his oh, training. Yeah, I, was yeah, like, yeah. I was like, no, that's so stupid. Um, and, uh, I'd have to, I have to jog my, I have to jog my memory for a good, uh, at, you know, um, uh, real life, good training montage. Cause it's always like, you know, there's always like the bench press. I, I want, I actually of late, I remember, you remember American sniper with Bradley Cooper. Yeah. Yeah. He actually deadlifted in his training montage, which was kind of cool. Oh, okay. So, so that that I got, I gave him props for that one. So that was usually, but usually it's like the foo foo, like you know, not that I'm gonna like you know turn my nose to like bicep curls or anything, but I, I'm always looking for like squats and deadlifts. I'm I'm a little snobby. Well, that's that, that's real strength training, and that yeah, is yeah. you know. And let me ask you on that note. Let me ask you a question. How would you describe your approach? I mean, you, you're a strength coach, and you, you said you're a yeah. strength coach who writes. Now, what is the difference between like a strength coach and a personal trainer? How would you describe that to um, the average well, person? I think uh, a strength coach typically more often than not works with more of a, a athletic population. Um, you know, tend, they tend to work with people and they also, and even in not an athletic position or population, they tend to work with people who are a little bit more um, in tune with their fitness and have to a little bit more um, pinpointed on their goals. Okay. Um, I, I mean, and I'm obviously I'm making a, a drastic generalization, but that, that, it, but asking offhand, that's kind of where I gravitate towards. Well, actually it's a, but, you know, before we go on, cause I always like to make that point with guests is of course, we're talking in generalizations and any, you're so consistent, Tony, with the guests I've had on the show that nobody wants to give a specific answer. Because anybody in fitness cannot give a specific answer unless they have a specific individual in front of them. Would you agree with that? I would agree with that because everyone's different. So how I, you know, I, I label myself a strength coach, but certainly, you know, I work with people and that's subjective. Like I, I always tell people like, you know, what strength means to you is, could be different. Like mine, like I love the deadlift, of course. So like me being strong in the deadlift is important, but who am I to say that someone being able to do a, uh, um, a flagstaff hold isn't strong. Cause that is, I can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. They're different types uh, but, of strength. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, certainly taking into context what someone's goals are and what their ability level is and their starting point and their injury history and, um, you know, taking all that and like uh, developing it into like a, a coherent, well thought out program, um, you know, it takes time and it takes experience, but, but yeah, like it's hard like I said, like with differentiating strength coach and personal trainer, I mean, there's, there's certainly a lot of gray area, but, um, and, and a lot of like, if we had to do like a Venn diagram, there's a lot of like, uh, middle ground where it's very much the same, but I, but I, I generally do think that a strength coach tends to work a little bit more of an athletic population or people who are a little, maybe a little bit more serious, I guess. Actually, that, that's a good the training. You just gave me a good idea for a blog talk topic, and and you can feel free. It'd be interesting if we just did a little blog on the, like a Venn diagram between a personal trainer and a strength yeah. coach. Yeah. And I, I think, but but listen, you say speak. I think Tony, you might be able to agree with this that maybe a strength coach is working on more of a quantifiable goal, where a personal there trainer might be working on more of a subjective "I want to look better" goal. Whereas yeah, a strength coach is, you're going to help me add fifty pounds to my whatever. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. I can I can't disagree with that. Okay, cool. And then, um, so uh, with your background, you know, how long have you been doing this? How long have you been in the fitness industry? I, I graduated college in 2002 and that's when I got my first job. So doing the math, that's, uh, 15 years. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, uh, goes by fast. Holy moly. 
It does. And what's and what's the big change? I mean, one of the reasons why I want to have you on is, is to talk about um, kind of how you've changed your life. I mean, as you know, I, I tend to go after a, a little bit older, uh, not older, more mature fitness audience. So what's mm-hmm. been the big change in your life the last, what is it, eight months, nine months? Oh, I see where you went there. <laughs> uh, well, I got a kid now. <laughs> so that's been a, a little bit of a, a, a life uh, speed bump. Yeah. To, for lack of a better term. Um, so yeah, that's been, that's been pretty cool. Like it's, uh, obviously, uh, a lot of sleepless night, not sleepless, but a lot of, uh, um, yeah, sleepless nights. Well, that, that <laughs> becomes a challenge. I mean, that's why, you know, I think, I, th- I think you're a good person to speak with right now, especially because your, your son is really young. Cause I think one of the challenges that people have as they get into thirties, forties and whatnot yep. is, is life, you know, the speed bumps, life speed bumps, having a kid obviously being one of them, a change in job, maybe yeah. a change in, in, in responsibility to the job. So how have you adapted your training program? Because for listeners in, I'm going to give you a big, you know, Tony just pulled 600 pounds the other day. According to Instagram, he pulled 600 pounds in a deadlift. So obviously a lack of sleep has not impacted his performance that much, but how have you adjusted your training program now that you have new responsibility as a father? Well, I think, I mean, I'm a little bit, I'm in a little bit of a bubble because number one, I'm in the industry. Uh, you know, I, I own a gym, so I really have no excuse <laughs> not, not to have access to a gym. <laughs> so, uh, I'm there pretty much every day. So, uh, I, I, yeah, there's that. So, but I do make it a priority so that I think that's where, um, and I'm consistent. So, and I made it, uh, it's, it's always been a part of my life, of course, but even now that I have a kid and there's my schedule is a little bit more in flux, uh, I've still made it a priority in, in, in my life. So I think if any, any piece of advice I can give any new father or one that's on the way, they're going to be a father to be, it's like, you still got to make it a priority. And then if, if it's important to you, you're going to make time for it. And that, and that's, that's what I've done. And I have a very supportive spouse who understands that too. And it's very much a part of her life as well. So I think as a team, uh, it's been easy, uh, <laughs> easy ish to, to pull it off. Well, do you, do you have to be in charge sometimes? Are you the, the on duty when your wife works out? I mean, does she still follow her fitness plan? Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm, I write her programs. So, um, you know, through, through her pregnancy and even afterwards, and she typically, we have, we have a little bit different schedule. So, um, she usually goes in the morning before okay. work. So, and her typical schedule was five thirty, six o'clock. She goes to the gym and yeah, I'm, I'm the parent and, uh, she goes to work and I, I typically go and train, uh, later in the, like late morning, early afternoon. Kind of when it slowed um, down at your gym. Yeah. Yeah. So, it, it, you know, my morning mornings are usually my writing time, uh, writing programs, catching up on other stuff. And then I, then, then I go early afternoon, I go work out. And then after that I see clients. Okay. And where's your gym? So, You're in Boston, correct? Where's your gym correct, located yeah. in Boston? It's in, it's in, um, it's in Brookline, which is in Boston. Um, and, uh, it's called core. And it's in, yeah, it's in Brookline. So it's uh, right in the thick of everything. Easy to get to. Um, right off the T, one T stop. The closest one would be Brookline Hills on the D line in the green. So <laughs> it's, it's if anyone listening. Yeah, it's been a few <laughs> yeah. years since I've been there. And we talked about early, Tony was, uh, Tony was a trainer. How long did you work? I was, I was a director of education. So I worked with all the, all the clubs. And Tony was based out of the Boston Club. How long did you work uh, at that location? I was there, I got there in the fall of 2006 and I left in the middle of the summer of 2007. Okay. <laughs> so I, I was there, I think nine or 10 months. Yeah. Short. That I, that I yeah. And, it, was, and, it wasn't there. It wasn't there too long. I enjoyed my time there, yeah. but uh, I had a, a nice opportunity to, that came up that I, I, I pursued. So, uh, um, and with but that, yeah. and where'd you go? Cause with that, what'd you, what'd you focus on for the next few years when you went to, when you went to the next place? Yeah. So that's where we, I, I helped uh, co-found Cressy sports performance. So we just built kind of just building that brand and obviously became, uh, we, we became known as overhead athlete Mecca, work a lot of baseball players and athletes 
from all different walks of life, but we were we definitely focused more in on on baseball players. So I was there for from 2007 to 2015 before okay. I, I left and opened up uh, my little studio here in in, in Brookline. Well, and, and now the cool thing was every now and then I, I listen to sports, you know, sports radio and, and every now and then I would hear an athlete interviewed and it was two or three times, Tony, where I heard them mention uh, Cressy working oh, on yeah. Cressy in the offseason. I always, I always thought that was a cool thing. So the reason why I asked that is what's the major difference? We kind of brushed on this earlier, but what's the major difference between working with an athletic population? Like, you know, you're working with somebody trying to get a scholarship or you're working with somebody trying to get a contract. And the general population, like, what do you think the two quantify, you know, what are the differences between working with those two types of populations? Yeah, I, uh, the, obviously there's variety, yeah. <laughs> um, because again, you're having different ability levels and different injuries and jobs and life stuff that gets in the way. Um, so there's that. Um, but I think you hit the nail on the head earlier where with general populations, sometimes I have to be the impetus for figuring out, okay, let's be, cause you know how it is. Like I want to lose 10 pounds or I just want to be healthier or I want to, it, it very subjective yeah. goals that I kind of have to be the one that kind of, okay, let's dig a little bit deeper. Let's peel back the onion. Let's figure out something to work towards. Cause I'm a big fan. Cause honestly, like the programs I write for when I was training with a lot of athletes or working with a lot of athletes in the programs I write now, there's not a ton of difference. I mean, there's some subtle nuance differences, but, you know, a lot of people I train now, even though they're all considered general population, uh, they're still deadlifting, they're still squatting, they're still doing get-ups, they're still doing pull-ups, they're carrying, doing farmer carries, they're throwing med balls, um, you know, but the, the difference is, is I kind of have to, like, nudge them a little bit and be like, hey, uh, you know, why don't, especially like a female client, why don't we uh, work towards a, uh, a strict body weight chin up or why don't, I just want to give them some kind of like purpose in their training. Whereas with an athlete, they kind of, the purpose is kind of built in with preparing for their sport or trying to make varsity or trying to get a professional contract. Whereas with the general population, I kind of have to nudge it out of them a little bit. And and if for Tony and I are talking on Skype right now, so you can't, the listeners can't see me, but I'm nodding my head vociferously. I think I'm going to snap my neck here because you're absolutely right. I think the biggest difference, and and for for people listening, if you ever work with a trainer, have a goal that you can quantify. Yes. Because if you're working with an athlete, Tony, you can help somebody add 15 pounds to a deadlift, or you can help somebody get half a second faster in a 40-yard dash. That is stuff because you can measure that. But somebody coming in saying, I want to lose weight and tone up, how do you quantify yeah, it that? it sucks. It sucks. It's just uh, I'm a big fan of performance-based goals and whatever that may be. Like I, I want them to have some kind of quantifiable number or goal just to, because it makes such a big difference when they show up to train and they look at what they have to do for that day on their program. And it has a purpose. Uh, they're just more invested in, in their training and, and, the, and the process of getting there rather than just being like, oh, you know, I'm just going to go to the gym and out and do whatever. Um, you know, I, I, just, I just find that time and time and time again, if I can get somebody to latch on to a performance based goal, um, it makes all the difference in the world. And, and that right there, I think you answered our question from earlier. That right there would be the difference between a personal trainer and a strength coach. Where a personal trainer might be comfortable with, eh, I'm just gonna. This person's gonna come in two times a week, three times a week. Yeah. I'm gonna hold their hand and count reps for them while they work out. Whereas you're gonna challenge somebody. Now let me ask you this: When you do sit down with somebody, you push them and poke them a little bit, and once they 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 take on your goal, how does that change their response to their training program? Uh, well, they, they they feel more competent and they have more autonomy, which you know from a psychological standpoint is huge. Like because at the end of the day my goal for anyone I work with is for them to fire me. Like I want, I want them to like leave and, and not need my services anymore. Cause that, that to me, I, I've done my job as, as their, their coach. Um, you know, so, but it, once I get them lashing onto the performance based goal and they, they, and it, I, I kind of, I'm trying to breed success in their training. You know, my, it's my job to like show them success. But at the end of the day, uh, I get them more competent, and, and feeling that they can do stuff um, and they're more autonomous and they can do it on their own, um, I win. And that's, that's really the end goal for pretty much every client I work with. See, and that's, that's where I want to give you a big bro hug right now, virtual bro hug, because I really think 
personally, I think that should be the goal of any trainer, of any, any mm-hmm. coach, is I want to train myself out of a client. Because ultimately, personally, I don't want to be the reason you're coming to the gym. You need to be the reason that you're coming to the gym. Yeah, you know? well, yeah that's, you know, that's being more internally focused rather than externally. Like my wife talks about this stuff. We do, we do a workshop together called Strong Body, Strong Mind. She's, she's a doctorate in psychology. I'm a strength coach. But she's a doctor that actually lifts. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, we, we spend a day where she spends the morning talking more, more about mindset and the trans theoretical theory of change and getting in why, why people tend to be their own uh, worst enemy uh, as far as like the goals they strive for and what, what's the barriers that are getting in the way. Then I obviously come in and I can talk about assessment and program design and exercise technique. Um, but, yeah, those, those psychological like building autonomy. Uh, competency and relatedness. Uh, and that's another big one is just having a community where you feel like you're amongst your people. You know, that's why CrossFit is so successful and popular. It's like, I mean, there's, there's bar none. They have the best fitness community <laughs> in, in fitness. I mean, that, that's and that relatedness and being amongst like-minded individuals is huge. Well, I think that becomes a group think, right? I mean, it becomes, it means that, you know, because let's look at it, let's look at the reality. A lot of us are in these isolated jobs. You know, people go into a desk, they're in front of a computer all day. They might interact with people on the phone or via email. And then if they, a lot of times I see people go to the gym, they have headphones on. They're not really interacting yeah. with people. How yeah. powerful is that group? How powerful is the group dynamic when it comes? Because you do group training with, you do group yeah. coaching and, for strength and, training, don't you? That's actually a, a very, um, astute point you made because in the commercial gym setting, I think you're right on and that a lot of people go to the gym, they put their headphones on, they're just header down and they're on, or they're on their phone and they're just not paying attention to other people. And there, there really is no interaction where you go to any CrossFit gym, there's no headphones. Yeah. Uh, you go to Cressy sports performance, there are no headphones. You go to Mike Boyle strength and conditioning, no headphones. You know, I, in my place, there's no headphones. We're, we're all listening to the same music um, and there's interaction and there's people cheering each other on and there's coaching and there's um, and that makes a huge difference. I mean, I always encourage people, even if it's like one day a week to, to find a gym where you're not the strongest person and you're not the most athletic person um, and that you just get around other people who are very much like yourself and in the same mindset, it's going to make such a big difference. Um, well, you wrote, I was reading your, I was reading your blog earlier about, about why you, about you hire a coach and, and do you think, yeah. do you think people need, need that extra little push and, and how important has that been for you? Is that what got you to 600 yeah. pounds? Yeah. Uh, I, I, my, my coach is Greg Robbins. I, I give him all the credit. I mean, I did the work of course, but you know, as far as the, um, the mental gymnastics that come with writing your own program, I hate it. <laughs> uh, that's the last person I want to write a program for is, is myself. Cause it's just like, I know what to do, but you know, we, I, I'm biased just like everyone else. And I'm only, yeah. I'm going to gravitate the stuff that I feel like I'm good at. Like I'm going to, Oh, I'm going to skip my pause squats. Like I don't want to do those. Um, but if I have a coach telling me to do it and, and, and writing, uh, under the guise of helping me reach this goal, um, I'm going to do it. So, uh, yeah, I've, I've, I've had a coach myself for, I think two or three years now between him and other people I've, I've, I've worked with in the past and I, it makes a huge, I mean, coaches need coaches too. Um, does so it help, I, help you I, stay accountable? I mean, is it, it, it sounds like it's helped. Yeah. Has that been yeah. an important factor now that you've kind of had this life change? You have it. You own your. How long have you opened your gym? It's been about a year. Uh, it's been about a year and a half okay. that I that I that I've had it. So, um, yeah, it's it's helped tremendously. Like I said, it's just it's because like I'm a one man show more or less when it comes to my brand. Like I don't have like this team of people doing wait, stuff for me. Wait, so. wait, wait, wait. You mean there's not a a gentle core skyscraper in downtown Boston? And no, no, you don't have yet. your own. You don't have your own <laughs> helicopter and your no, own not yet, not. <laughs> not that big time yet, no. Uh, but, but isn't but real quick? Isn't that the perception though? Because you write for a couple of major outlets like Men's Health and Teen Nation, don't people have this perception that that you're kind of like uh, I don't know, I'm not trying to, but that you, you're you're much bigger than what you are. If that makes uh, sense. I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm a normal person. Like I I find it's it's I crack up when people meet me in person. They're like, oh my god, you're Tony Genocore. I was like, hey, it's cool. <laughs> like in my head, it's very cool. Don't get yeah. me wrong. But I was yeah. like. Hey man, I put my socks on just like you. Like I'm not, I'm not that big of a deal. Trust me. Um, I'm very, un- I'm not as cool in person as I am online. Trust me. <laughs> uh, but, uh, 
but yeah, there's, there might be a little bit of perception of that. And, but I mean, I'm still, I try. I feel like I do a pretty good job of staying pretty humble. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm st- I actually, I still coach and people in person. Like I, that's one of my biggest pet peeves in the industry is when, uh, people are writing for every such thing, every like fitness site and whatever, but they actually don't, they don't coach anyone. Um, you know, I, I, you know, as far as me and my integrity, like, I think it's important for me to, if I'm going to write about program design and assessment and, you know, getting someone to squat better, um, I should actually be coaching. (laughs) So it's weird, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but I'm, but admittedly, like I'm not coaching as much as I was when I was at Cressy sports performance. So now, um, I coach about 20 hours a week in person. Uh, and the rest of the time is like, I'm, I'm very, um, uh, lucky and I get to travel a lot. People invite me to come speak, you know, the writing takes up time too. Um, so that, so it's nice that I have like all these different branches of, of, of my brand, but still a one man show. So, you know, going back to writing programs, like I don't really want to, I don't have time, not that I don't have time to write my own programs, but I just, prefer not to do it sometimes <laughs> so. it's easier but sometimes it's easier i mean that's why people hire trainers or coaches in the first place just yeah. let me show yeah, up exactly. i have an appointment and bang i know you get to exactly, it it is exactly what we do like people they don't they just they like their time in the gym they don't want to think yeah they just want to show up tell me what to do i mean some people are a little bit more inquisitive and like yeah. want to have no they want to know the why why are we doing this why are we doing that which i'm more than happy to answer yeah um but more often than not, the the athletes and people who are coming in, they just they show up. They just want some. They just want somebody to tell them what to do. I want, I want direction for the hour. Now, one or two yeah. more questions, and then 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 I'll let you go. Get back to get back to the kid. Um, and now I'm just totally blanking on, on the line of the train of thought I wanted to go down. It had to do. Oh, it had to do. Uh, you wrote one of my favorite blogs, and this was a while ago. It was about going uh, car shopping, and and why the okay, car. I mean, I mean, I wrote about what's that. <laughs> So now you got to remind me. I'm intrigued. You wrote, but no, you wrote a blog. It's, it's been a while, but you wrote a blog about the car, about buying a car, about okay. and how you're uncomfortable with the sales process. Oh, and you related I hate it. it back to exercise because I think a lot of people. You you just t- you just talked about this with your own program. You talked about buying a car is uncomfortable dealing with a salesperson. So you had to deal with that level of uncomfortability in your life in order to get what you wanted, the car. And you yep. related it back to exercise because I think a lot of us myself included, we become, I don't want to say enamored by, we become stuck with our favorite exercises when in reality yeah. exercise should make us a little uncomfortable. You know, oh, yeah. what is that? Like, what is it about exercise? You know, cause we have this perception that exercise should cause pain, but I always tell people it should not cause pain, but it should cause discomfort. How would you, you know, you know, how do you, do you remember that blog? Obviously it's been a while <laughs> since you wrote it. I mean, it has been I'm a while. Assuming, uh, I'm assuming it refers to my current car, which I bought in 2013. So yeah, assuming I assuming right. I, wrote, I wrote this blog post in 2013. It, it, that sounds um, about right. Yeah, <laughs> it does. I think it's been that long. But, uh, I mean, I, you know, it, that's, that's a million dollar question, but I mean, I, I do tell people, I mean, it's a funny phrase I use, but I tell people that lifting weights isn't supposed to tickle. <laughs> so like when people say, Oh, this hurt, I mean, and, and, and I do think there's a, there's a degree of people learning the difference between pain and discomfort yeah. like that, that I think is, it is a thing. Cause some people do not know the difference. No, like and- any, any, any form of discomfort, they like, Oh, this hurts, this hurts. And I'm just like, okay, let's talk about this a little bit because, you know, and I usually say like on a scale of one to 10, 10 meaning like you couldn't possibly do another rap, you're in excruciating pain and one being, you know, is yeah. a, I'm tickling you with a feather. What is it? And they'll say, oh, I'm like a two. And I'm like, come on, let's go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, that's, um, and that's what I tell, you know, I, I tell trainers that our job is to make people being comfortable, being uncomfortable. Yeah. And, and yeah. just like that with clients, I tell clients that you should be a little uncomfortable. If it, if it's painful, we'll stop. We're not going to do it again. Sure. But if it's discomfort, that's what you're paying me for. And and some of it does come down to that competency, right? So like if the novelty of exercises that we prescribe for our clients, like whether it's a hip hinge, like a pull through or something like that, like some people have no comprehension of what that means. And when you show them how to do a pull through the novelty of it, they're uncomfortable with it because they don't know how to do it. And that, and they, and they don't want to, they don't want to, they don't want to see being look like a fool and they don't want to feel like they're doing something wrong. And that's that whole competency thing. So again, going back to what our jobs as coaches, we need to be able to scale 
um, progress or regress exercises accordingly to show people success. So, um, you know, I think one of the, yeah, we have to be, un- people have to be uncomfortable, but we also have to be very diligent on, um, breeding success with the program. So like, people don't want to feel stupid when they're, when they're training. So yes, challenge them. But at the same time, we, it's very, 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 very important uh, that we're we're showing them as much success as possible. Because the last thing I want with a client is leaving a session feeling like I'm a walking ball of fail and I can't do anything. Um, and I think a lot of trainers make that mistake, especially new ones, where they just want to they want to like kill their clients and make them super sore. Um, but for a lot of people, be, being super sore is not remotely no, appealing. It's not. No. <laughs> um, I mean, it's going to happen here and there and they, they have again they have to learn like the difference but um yeah it's uh i know i'm rambling now but i well, think i got my point across but you did but then you write a lot you know I, and i've referenced you one or two times in articles i've written and i, and I always appreciate the input you provide but if you only had i mean you just you just maxed out or you just hit 600 pounds in a deadlift but you're also a big fan of the Turkish get up and some other, mm-hmm. what are your yeah. like top three favorite lifts and why? Like, you know, when you're working with clients just in gen, and again, we'll, we'll, we'll couch it for like, say I'm, you know, I'm a guy in my forties and I want to work on yeah. strength training. What yeah. three lifts should I start thinking about incorporating into, into a program if I'm yeah, not doing I mean, them already? I mean, of course I'm biased. I'm going to say the deadlift, but yeah. you know, the deadlift again is, you know, I always tell people, what does that mean to you? Like when I say deadlift, what does that mean? And of course people are going to gravitate to like a big scary barbell on the ground with a lot of heavy weight and that's a deadlift. And I'm like, no, that's not like, honestly, it's a hip hinge. Yeah. Um, and it, it could be with a kettlebell. It could be with a trap bar. It could be with whatever. Um, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be a big, scary barbell. Um, and being able to that, 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 that hinge, if I, once I get someone to hinge correctly, that opens up the, the exercise toolbox like profoundly. Um, and then we can do so many more things. So I, I mean, I definitely feel like the hinge slash deadlift is a very important, uh, exercise from, you know, not only from a body resiliency standpoint, uh, but from a, just a health standpoint, from an everyday life standpoint, I mean, everyone deadlifts. I mean, there's no one on a, on a day-to-day basis doesn't perform a deadlift in their everyday life. Um, so I, I do feel like it's a very, uh, valid and, um, important exercise to do just from not only if you're a meathead or athlete, but if you're just looking to, you know, win at life every day. Uh, it's a pretty, it's a pretty important exercise. And then I, I guess I would just put, um, I'm a big fan of carries. Um, you know, the Dan John approach, like I think, uh, farmer carries and suitcase carries are very underrated exercise that, you know, when I, when I'm working with people who are beat up, uh, whether it's a low back injury, a knee injury, a shoulder injury, I can almost always have them do some carries and they're going to get a training effect. Oh, cool. Uh, and it's going to, and it's going to, not only that, it's going to indirectly fix a lot of things as far as like hip stability and like packing the shoulder and core work. And, you know, so I'm getting a lot of bang for my buck with a carry and it, there's really no technique involved with it. Like I can have, if you can carry a suitcase, do, you can carry a kettlebell. Yeah. yeah. So there's no, there's no really intimidation factor there. I just say, Hey, there's a dumbbell or a kettlebell, or if I have farmer carries, I can use those. We're going to carry that. And it's a very non-intimidating exercise that, uh, there's a very, there's a very limited, uh, uh, barrier to entry with it. Like anyone can do it. Um, and then I guess if I had to pick another one, um, you know, I think sled work's pretty important, like, uh, from a conditioning standpoint. And again, from a very user friendly standpoint, there's, again, if I had to pick between, uh, running or doing sled pushes for cardio, um, <laughs> I would pick the sled because yeah. there, there's less wear and tear, uh, you know, and if someone has access to enough space to do that there, I mean, again, there's, there's, it doesn't take much, just put some weight on the, on the sled and push it. And you're going to start huffing and puffing sooner, like yeah. sooner than later. And some good things are going to happen. So. Uh, just, just for listeners, when Tony said cardio, he used air quotes. And that's, that's why I was, why I was laughing because <laughs> I think, I think, and this becomes, we'll get ready to wrap up here, but I think that becomes a big misnomer because guess what? If you're breathing right now, you're doing cardio. Would that be so? You are. You're blowing people's minds right now. Yeah, but you're, if you're breathing, you're doing cardio. But anytime you start talking about exercise, what's a more appropriate way? I mean, if you start talking about you know that type of of, of like intensity of exercise, like how do you refer to when you, when you refer to that type of work? Well, 
I mean, as an example, like this Friday, I have a woman coming in. Uh, I have not met her yet. She's yeah. coming in for an assessment. And in the email exchange, going back and forth a few times, she divulged to me that, oh, I just completed my 41st marathon. And I'm like, holy shit. Like, uh, <laughs> Why? <laughs> yeah, well, well, I mean, that's, yeah. I mean, that, that's impressive. Like yeah, I, yeah. That, yeah. that she's obviously a very accomplished and then her times were just like, she's trying to break the three hour mark. So she's okay. a very accomplished, she's, she's the real deal. Yeah. And, um, you know, however, uh, you know, you, I think you would agree with me. Like there's, there's this connotation in, in health and fitness where fitness is running. Um, yeah. Yeah. and I, I, and it's like a, it's a component. I don't think it's the only form of fitness, of course. Um, but we've been conditioned to think that, uh, running is the, is the way to get fit. Um, and it, and it honestly is not a good fit for a lot of people just because they're, they're, they're just not in good shape. And it's a very, it's a very, uh, combative, um, form of exercise for our joints, especially if you're not prepared for it. So, um, you know, it's my job. If someone comes in and they're not, they haven't completed 41 marathons and they, they're interested in just running a 5k, I do stress that strength training is going to help them. You know, it is going to help produce force and, uh, absorb force and help decelerate the body and obviously make it more resilient and stronger, which is going to help them, uh, run more efficiently. Uh, and then of course, trying to gradually work them up to, you know, running their three mile runs X amount of times a week or whatever. But there's, but I also instill them that there's a lot of different ways we can get your heart rate up, uh, other than running on the pavement. So, yeah. Um, cause, Cause what I try to do, I try to get people to think about what energy system are you using? What energy pathway? And do right. you really need to go out and do, cause you're right. I mean, I like the way you describe that because I think for a lot of people going out and running just isn't comfortable. They, they have this perception of, I need to exercise and running is exercise and exercise is not supposed to be comfortable. So therefore, you know, if running hurts me, I'm doing the right exercise. Yeah. Do you think that's a fair and there's one, assessment? There's one thing, too, where it's one thing if someone enjoys it. If someone enjoys running, I'm not going to tell them not to do it, yeah. right? Like yeah. that is not my job. That My my job as their coach is to compliment them. Like yeah. it's about them. It's not, it has nothing to do with me. But uh, if, if someone tells me like, yeah, I run. I don't really like it. Like they hate it. I'm like, then why are you doing it? Yeah. <laughs> like then it's my job to be like, well, let's do this instead. And let's yeah. do this and, um, you know, and educate them. Uh, so there, there's, there's that distinction to make as well. Now, where does, what role does recovery play when you write programs? Um, mm. you know, one, one, one thing I like asking all my guests is, is talk about recovery. And, and if you have yeah. any favorite recovery strategies and what role, like if I'm again, if I'm in my forties and I'm doing a lot of strength training, how many days a week should I be doing a high intensity workout and, and yeah. should, what, what type of role should recovery play in my overall program? I'll make it, I'll make it very simple. And I, I'm going to quote a couple of people here that I stole this from that, like, I'm not smart enough to think about it this way. So one is from Greg Knuckles. Uh, and he said, if you're feeling good and you're making progress, do more. <laughs> That's simple. Yeah. Right. And if you don't feel good and you're not making progress, do less. <laughs> Right. So there, that's, there's, there's programming and then recovery right there. That's yeah. so simple. Um, but then another one is Quinn Hennock. He, he does, he works with juggernaut systems out in, in California. And I, I saw him speak this past weekend and he made a point of saying like, and he, he's more of a physical therapist. So he, he works with a lot of injured people and people coming in with, with injuries, especially CrossFit. Yeah. And, um, uh, and he made a point of saying, so instead of being, what I liked about his message, well, it wasn't very corrective. Like he wasn't showing us like, you know, if this isn't firing, this is the corrective you're going to use. And if this is dysfunctional, here's what we're going to do. He's like, honestly, like it comes down to managing volume. Uh, and if someone oversteps their threshold of, of, uh, the volume they can handle, then let's, let's manipulate that, um, rather than getting too corrective with them. So, um, so I think, you know, you know, from a from a coaching standpoint, from a programming standpoint, you know, as coaches, if you if you have clients who are just constantly getting beat up, constantly getting injured, um, you need to start looking at your programs. And are you are there are, are your jumps in volume too big from a week to week basis that they just can't handle it? So you, you might have to temper that volume and, and still teeter with, you know, obviously getting a training effect and all that stuff. So, um, so I'm, that, that, that's definitely, uh, a, a paradigm shift. Cause I do think we gotten a little too corrective. Yeah. Um, 
in our industry where it's like we have people doing breathing drills for 30 minutes uh, before yeah. they even touch a weight. And it's yeah. like, come on, like I, I'm, I'm all for that stuff and you know, getting diaphragm. I mean, I'm in, I'm into PRI, but listen, we don't need to be spending 30 minutes doing that. Um, <laughs> but yeah. let's, let's, let's start manipulating volume um, and, 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 and being a little bit more aware and cognizant of that. And that, cause that's, that's kind of where our wheelhouse is. Um, and I think we'd be much, much, much better off. And now you do a lot of workshops. I mean, you're a guest speaker at a lot of workshops and, and you do a lot of workshops on your own. How many people have you seen a, a, an increase in the general consumer coming to these workshops? Oh yeah. There's, I mean, and that, I mean, maybe that's just how I approach teaching, but I, I try to make things pretty digestible and accessible. So, um, I do a lot of workshops with Dean Somerset and there's, there's a number of people who attend our workshops who aren't in the industry. Like they're just regular people who are in, in it and they're interested and they, they just want to learn. Um, and I feel like, uh, we do it in a way that's very accessible. Um, cause neither of us are clinicians. We're both meathead trainer guys. Um, you know, that, that like to say we bridge the gap between physical therapy and, and strength training. Um, so yeah, I've definitely seen an increase in, cause I just feel like nowadays it's just so much more accessible with the internet. I mean, social media and internet has made it just more of a, a thing. Like I can't go on Instagram or Facebook, obviously because that's the kind of the bubble I'm in, but I, you know, I can't get away from it. So, uh, and I think that's been yeah, a good sorry. thing. I would think it's been a no, good thing course. because people yes. can go, I mean, you know, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, it, it was very hard for the average consumer to find out like, where do I go learn more about strength training? And yeah. I think, especially because you write for, for outlets like T nation and men's health, I think you attract a certain, you know, one of the things I like, I've always liked about your, your, what you write is you're very direct, you're, you're scientifically accurate, but you write in a way that's easily relatable so that the average person will want to come learn from you. Do you have yeah. any workshops? Do you have any workshops coming up or anything that's coming up on your calendar? Yeah. Um, here in Boston, Dean and I are doing what's probably going to be our last uh, complete shoulder and hip blueprint that um, that we'll be doing live. I mean, we have it as a product, but we're doing it live for the probably our last time. Um, and then I have – I'll be speaking at the, the regional NSCA event in Philadelphia in early December. Okay. Um, I'm not, the date eludes me at the, at the moment, but I believe it's the first weekend in December. Um, and I think that's it for the rest of the year. <laughs> and then, and then obviously uh, you have your blog. I'm going to have a link to your blog yeah, and then you yeah. do online coaching as well. You have an online, uh, you have online fitness products and you do online coaching as well. How do yeah. you know, can people, can people hire you as an online trainer? Yes, they can. They can hire me for, from an individual standpoint where I will individually write your programs based off goals, injury, et cetera. And then I also have a, a resource called core online, uh, which is about as close as you're going to get training with me without walking through the doors. <laughs> and it's just, it's just monthly canned programming that if you're just someone that's, you're not injured, you don't have major injury history and you're just looking for a little direction, um, with your programs, then that would be a, it's program it's monthly programming. I write that you can just follow, um, uh, and you can that you can you can get more information on that on my website as well. All right, good. I'll have all that information down below in the show notes. And then, absolute last final question: You're captured by terrorists. You're stuck on an island. You're being held for ransom. John McClane or John Rambo? Which one do you want coming to save oh, you? Oh man, uh, I'm going to go with McCain because I, I I just dig that guy. He's just an old BS guy. So I'm going with I'm going with McCain with with uh, Bruce Willis. With uh, you're going with John McClane from yes. uh, Die yes. Hard. Yeah. Yes. He, he'll, 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 I think he'd outperform uh, John plus Rambo. He, plus, he, plus he, he drops F bombs. So uh, <laughs> that, that, that's, that's, that's what I'm going to go with. All right, man. Well, Tony, and for a second, I have, to, I have to correct. I thought you said John McCain. Oh, John McCain. Yeah, no, no, John McClain. You know. Either either one, I'm going with the McClain or McCain. So, like. <laughs> yeah, he is. He's been a little a little feisty, especially uh, we we're recording this on the day when uh, McCain has been in the news the last few days for uh, yeah, that's booking. Not, so yeah, but either way, I'm going yeah. with McClain or McCain. Yes. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I want to throw that '80s movie in there. John McClain, yippee, yippee, kaye, my friend. Yeah. Now I get. Yeah. <laughs> All right, man. Hey, Tony, thanks for your time, brother. It probably is a lack of sleep with an eight-month-old. My pleasure. It's funny. I think Tony and I talked more there than we did in the uh, months that we worked together, that, that, we are, that our paths crossed in Boston. But as I said, I really I have a lot of respect for him. I really like the way he approaches fitness. He's extremely serious. 
but he likes to have fun with it. I mean, he knows that, I mean, look, at the end of the day, you're a personal trainer, you're a strength coach, you teach group exercise. The one thing I like to say is my job is to make half-naked people sweaty. That's what we do, right? We make, you know, when you go into the gym, you're not wearing many clothes, and my job is to make whatever you're wearing make that sweaty. So we can take what we do seriously, but I really, I personally have a hard time taking myself seriously because when I look at this, at the end of the day, I'm just a monkey up in front of a group room full of people getting you to sweat, you know, and, and we have to have a sense of humor about it. And that's one thing I really appreciate about Tony. And it's funny, since speaking with him, I've actually been working with a trainer of my own. I reached out to a buddy of mine at uh, the gym where I, I teach part-time and just have been asking, you know, have been paying him a couple sessions, just to give me some feedback because it really impressed me that if you get somebody as knowledgeable as Tony saying, hey, man, I'd like to turn it over to somebody else, well, I could probably stand to benefit from the same. So it's been, it's been insightful, and I really appreciate the feedback that uh, Josh, has been, my trainer, has been giving me because it's been, it's been helpful. So no matter what your fitness experience is, if, even if you think you know a lot, if you've been exercising for a while, you can always benefit from having a second set of eyes, just kind of checking your form, watching out, maybe giving you some ideas. You know, I, I've been doing this for a long time, and Josh, uh, Josh gave me some good insight, you know, and it's a couple of things that I could be working on. So hopefully you enjoyed getting to, to learn a little bit more about Tony. Um, he's a prolific writer, as I said. I really enjoy reading his stuff. I think he's done a tremendous job of getting out there. And he, he continually gets recognized as one of the top fitness bloggers. And well, and well-deserved. I mean, deservedly so. I think he's he's very educated. And just so you know, you know, my target audience tends, I try to go, you know, I'm in my 40s. I try to go after people about my age who want to stay focused on fitness. Well, I'm going to have a link to it in the show notes because Tony just started a program, a, a strength training weightlifting program for guys my age, guys in their 40s. So I'm going to have a link to that down in the show notes if you want to get some more information about that. Hopefully you enjoyed today's show. I know I really enjoyed the conversation. I got a lot out of it. If you get a moment, please give me a review. I've already hit you up for that. Please take a moment to visit the sponsors of All About Fitness, see if, see if their products could help you out. This show is starting to grow. I'm starting to get some good feedback. I'm going to get some good growth. I got some great plans for 2018, great content coming up, coming up for you. So if you have any ideas about people you'd like to see, by all means, reach out to me, Pete, at PeteMcCallFitness.com, and let me hear them. You can follow me on Twitter, PeteMC underscore fitness. On Twitter, it's PeteMC underscore fitness. And on Instagram, it's Pete McCall underscore fitness. That's Pete McCall underscore fitness. So no matter who you follow in fitness, make sure they know what they're talking about and make sure they have the credibility to be giving you advice. That's what I'm trying to do here on this podcast, help you understand the, the people and the science behind the programs that make you sweat. Thanks for stopping by, and I look forward to having you join me for future episodes of All About Fitness.